talks on psychoanalysis shares topics published in the IPA Society journals and Congress debates worldwide, brought to you in the voices of the original authors. We hope this window will allow you to experience the depth and breadth of psychoanalytic thought around the world. This podcast has been created by Gaetano Pellegrini and edited by Gaetano Pellegrini and Andy Cohen. Introduction read by Andy Cohen. To stay informed about the latest podcast releases, please sign up today. Psychoanalytic Work with Families and Couples Clinical Perspectives on Suffering by Susana Kuras Mauer, Sara Moscona, and Silvia Resniski. Over the last 30 years, there have been significant changes in the structure of families and couples. These include challenges to the traditional family structure, women's empowerment, a rebellion against the patriarchy, and the legitimization of same sex couples. All of these have brought about a dramatic increase in the diversity of family configurations. In this book, the authors aim to take into account these new configurations and explore new ways of thinking about the links within families, couples, and siblings. Their book describes clinical interventions which are based on the link approach, which enables the broadening of the range of classical psychoanalytic resources. The link approach is not content with proposing just one more application of psychoanalysis, but seeks to account conceptually for the territorial expansion that has occurred in contemporary psychoanalysis. The three authors are Buenos Aires Psychoanalytical Association training analysts and professors at the Master's Program in Family and Couple Studies in the University Institute of Mental Health of the Buenos Aires Psychoanalytical Association. Susana Kuras Mauer has a master's in couples and families and is an IPA specialist in child and adolescent psychoanalysis. Sara Moscona is a couples and families professor at the University of Buenos Aires. And Silvia Resniski was director of the master's program in family and couple studies from 2013 to 2017, an IPA board member from 2017 to 2021 and IPA Executive Committee member from 2019 to 2021. Thank you for the opportunity to talk about our book, Psychoanalytic Work with Families and Couples, Clinical Perspectives on Suffering. I'd like to begin by introducing the co-authors, Susana Mauer and Sara Moscona, and myself, Silvia Resnitsky. We have been writing together for many years, and this is our third book, a joint endeavor, but the first one which has been translated into English. We would like to begin by talking about what inspired us to write the book. In the last 30 years, there have been significant changes in the structure of families and couples. So we feel the need to develop new therapeutic approaches to family and couples that are capable of addressing current clinical challenges. So what are these challenges? They include challenges to the traditional parental structures, women's empowerment, a rebellion against the patriarchy, and the legitimization of same-sex couples. All of these have brought about a dramatic increase in the diversity of family configurations. 
we are also witnessing an increase in single parent and blended families, as well as an increase in same-sex couple families. Our aim in this book was to take into account these new configurations and to explore new ways of thinking and treating families, couples and siblings to alleviate their suffering. When we listen to our patients today, we are not only listening to the vicissitudes of transference, but also to the network of links with their significant figures and the social context in which we are all immersed. So, we can clearly see here the need for a new approach, which builds on the traditional approach, but goes further. Nowadays, it is fundamental to also explore the patient's network of social connections and the social context in which they find themselves. This book discusses recent socio-historical changes and the subsequent changes in our profession and explains how we address this transformation in our clinical practice. Our focus is on the link psychoanalytic approach. This allows us to decenter and deconstruct diagnosis which may freeze a subject into a fixed category. A central part of this link approach is what we refer to as the clinical device. We begin by reviewing the definition of this concept by the philosophers who developed it, namely Foucault, Deleuze and Agamben. Next, we describe its application in psychoanalytic clinical practice. To do so, we distinguish between device and setting and argue that present-day psychoanalysts should work with flexible parameters in order to respond to increasingly complex consultations or demands. When we refer to this concept of device, we are talking about a joint strategic construction between analyst and patient, which is dynamic and includes the socio-cultural context and the network of social links at that moment of the encounter. A state of openness in the encounter enables analysts and analyzant to create a unique device for each situation. The device is a product of the analytical link in the transference. In contrast, the setting is just one component within the device and the setting does not precede the device. The clinical device is designed by analysts and patients together step by step This creation is an organic ongoing process which is inherent in the session. It is a process that takes place in the immanence of the session, that is, in the here and now of the encounter. The device highlights the multiplicity of possible configurations. To illustrate the transformations that may take place in clinical practice, we have included in this book a number of vignettes where an array of clinical devices were employed. These clinical narratives show that the concept of device refers to different treatment variants, that is, to other dimensions of clinical practice that transcend the classical setting. The use of diverse situational psychoanalytic devices is 
allows us to work with new tools while at the same time respecting the Freudian legacy. We are ceasing to think in terms of essences, substances or structures in order to account for the variability and fluidity of current experience. Today's psychoanalytic practice shows that we need to think in terms of transformations. What's more, we can't avoid mentioning the COVID-19 pandemic, which has sent a shockwave around the world, leading to a healthcare crisis that has affected all of us. The severity of this pandemic has been so overwhelming that it has not only forced us to question what is predictable and familiar, it has also drastically changed the dynamic of our clinical practice. Face-to-face -face encounters in therapeutic spaces have been abruptly brought to an end due to the confinement and we have had to draw on virtuality as a means of remote communication with our patients. The demand for consultation has multiplied. Couples and families have become destabilized as a result of this traumatic situation. Many have come to us in search of psychic relief from the anxieties, fears and losses to which they have been exposed by the pandemic. The physical and social distance imposed upon us by the global COVID pandemic has brought into sharp focus the need to modify our previous ways of working. This has brought up many important questions. Some of them are, has the way we work with patients been weakened? And also, after the pandemic, what will remain and what will change? We'd now like to come back to our book and the central issue of linked psychoanalysis. Theories of internal conflict on the one hand and the intersubjective approach on the other refer to different modes of treatment that are brought into play in different situations. These are different legalities that interrelate and at the same time enjoy a certain autonomy. In the 17th in Argentina, Pichon Riviere reviewed the classical theories and included the social factor, emphasizing the relationship between the individual, the group, and the social community. By doing so, he gave theoretical status to the concept of link. This notion of link, vinculo in Spanish, contained in the link approach was conceived in the Rio de la Plata, region of Argentina and Uruguay. Isidoro Berenstein and Janine Puget made foundational contributions in the development of this theory. The link approach enables the analyst to explore the complexity of suffering which derives from link conflicts and from unconscious pacts and alliances between participants of the link. The category of the other as a fellow being is fundamental in this approach. It is important to highlight that the other is different from the subject. The presence of the other in the device, not only the representation of the other, forms the basis of the psychoanalytic link theory as we conceive it. The other 
has a completely different status from the internal object relation and goes beyond this. When we refer to object relations, we are referring to identification and projection. In contrast, the link with the other, that is to say, the link between subjects, also requires a relationship of presence. We have come a long way from the couch to link scenarios, from the neutral analyst who served as the recipient of patients' projections to the link analyst who abstains but is aware that she or he is an active participant in the link scenario in the here and now of the session. In families, as well as in couples, different evolving realities coexist and overlap. As 21st century psychoanalysts, we can not ignore the recent epistemological movement towards complexity. We are protagonists in this transition from a more binary way of thinking to a pluralistic approach which includes the concept of multiplicity. The link approach is not content with proposing just one more application of psychoanalysis, but seeks to account conceptually for the territorial expansion that has occurred in contemporary psychoanalysis. New epistemological contributions and interdisciplinary cross-fertilization feed and enrich our basic assumptions and strengthen the singularity of psychoanalysis. The first part of our book, called Families and Couples Today, comprises eight chapters. In these chapters, we emphasize the need to rethink the ways in which conflicts present today. That is to say, we rethink the ways in which we see conflicts manifest themselves in our consulting rooms and the nature of suffering in family, couple and sibling bonds in the context of our current social environment. Suffering is inherent in links. Looking at the link psychoanalytic practice from the viewpoint of suffering requires devoting ourselves to the alleviation of psychic pain without solely focusing on psychopathologies or diagnostic classifications, but without dismissing them either. The underlying causes of link suffering refer not only to the loss of love, but also to detachment and separation. In extreme cases, link suffering leaves the subject in a state of unease, emotional defenselessness, and even with feelings of disexistence and suicidal tendencies. Also, lack of recognition and the feeling of not belonging to a link produce suffering. In our book, we also develop in depth the concept of siblinghood as the paradigm of horizontal links. When we talk about siblinghood, we are not only referring to blood ties in families, but also to social ties in different stages of life. Siblinghood can include any relationships between peers which are participative and which involve horizontal rather than hierarchical links. 
To explore the network of fraternal links, we start with theoretical concept developed by Freud in the early days of psychoanalysis, namely the fellow being complex. Our journey took us from this concept to the notion of fraternal partnerships. Freud had already talked about the Nebenmensch, that is the fellow being, in the project for a scientific psychology in 1895. This concept points to the foundational role of the fellow being in the development of both the psychic apparatus and thought. Later, Freud refers to the band of brothers as the first form of social organization. Our idea is to highlight the importance of fraternal ties so that they provide a supplement to the Oedipus complex. Supplementing means adding. It entails adding in the same sense that the newspaper supplement adds to its main body. Supplementarity introduces complexity. It involves an interweaving of elements which retain their integrity. The traditional psychoanalytic view of family links based on parent-child differentiation was until recently the only one in existence. Gradually, other distinctions became accepted. When we refer to fraternal links in our book, we are referring to the fraternal links based on the fraternal complex. Luis Canciper, an Argentine colleague, emphasizes the relevance of the fraternal complex and stresses its irreducible specificity and its interaction with narcissistic and Oedipal dynamics. Fraternity then appears to be a conflictive tension between individual needs and those that result from belonging to a group. The fraternal other resembles us, yet is different. We can recognize ourselves in our siblings, but the fraternal other breaks the illusion of sameness as we want to differentiate ourselves from him or her. This type of relationship is what characterizes and sustains friendship links and it may also be forged in institutional life. From biblical myth to contemporary modes of fratricide, there is a wide range of expressions of extermination as well as concrete actions of annihilation of fellow beings which are interwoven with recognition, care and responsibility for the lives of others. This latter quality of links, that is, of solidarity among peers, may offer the possibility of social bonding. Solidarity and responsibility build communities. The second part of the book, which consists of three chapters, is entitled Facing Clinical Challenges. Here, we discuss the ways in which psychoanalysts tackle the ethical and clinical challenges of our discipline. In connection with these ethical and clinical challenges, in the chapter entitled The Psychoanalyst's Writing Process, we underline the importance of sharing our experiences in the consulting room and making them visible. What's more, writing adds a new dimension to these experiences. Inevitably, all theoretical psychoanalytic writing refers to clinical practice, which must, of course, be supported by theory. This cross-fertilization may also result in the generation of new theories. 
This constant dialectical and creative process may enhance psychoanalytic knowledge as well as the creation of new clinical devices. In this chapter, we not only focus on the complexity of psychoanalytic writing, but we also focus on the difficulties and pleasures we have found in the joint effort of working together. The chapter entitled Creating a Link in the Supervision Space provides another opportunity for the transmission and understanding of psychoanalysis, where analyst obstacles, resistances, and ideologies can be contained and explored. The title of this chapter emphasizes not only the need for a supervision space, but also the need to develop a creative, nurturer link between supervisor and supervisee in this containing space. The last chapter of our book, named Between Analysts, we offer in it some thoughts concerning the way psychoanalysts interrelate. We start from the idea that the peer dimension facilitates modes of production that enhance thinking and creativity. The network of these horizontal links among colleagues provides a working environment who affects also influence clinical work. We explore institutional life, the value of belonging, and the peer connections that develop in our institutions, which can help us reflect in our profession. This is the second century in the life of psychoanalysis. As Latin American psychoanalysts, we believe that it is the time to construct new workspaces between and among colleagues, which are encompassed with the variability and constant changes we are currently facing. Our book endeavors to explore ways of creating new spaces and new devices to enrich our clinical practice. Thank you very much. Thank you.